0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 297 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is Jacob Rice from the absolutely awesome band Superlove. This is not the first time that Superlove have appeared on Mark and Me. I was lucky enough to speak to them not this summer but last summer at 2000 Trees and they were an absolute delight and since then they've gained another band member and recently recorded and released a brand new album called Follow Noise which is genuinely absolutely awesome. So I honestly ask you all as soon as today's episode's over go and check it out. You will love it. And as always, please let me know on any of my social media channels if you go and love this band and you check them out because they're just amazing. And go and see them play as well because they're awesome live and like I said, a free piece now so they sound even bigger. What I like to do on all episodes of Mark and Me is just use the intro to touch base and talk about my last episode. A week ago, I released my episode with someone again that came back to Mark and Me, the amazing Hot Milk. I was joined by two members of the band and it was absolutely awesome. Both Hannah and Jim were well, as always on fire there was electricity in the air and it was just on a great great vibe throughout the whole interview so a massive thanks to those guys it was a busy week last week as well because we had holding absence on and i can't wait now because we're one step closer to the big 300 which is going to be absolutely massive but before i give you the interview today with super love let's give a big shout out to the main sponsor of mark and me richer sounds each and every month those guys sponsor this podcast and it really helps me go that extra mile so if you're in the market for a brand new tv or home cinema system or a sonos or headphones go on richersounds.com. it really is a great company that have supported me for many years right let's get to it now here's me and jacob bryce talking all things super love so- Jacob, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Mark. It's nice to see you again. Catch it up. is. It's
0: been a while. Uh, a lot's happened, but what I like to do last time we spoke, we were at a festival. It was quite short. We had kind of loads of noise going on in the background. It was all very manic, but now we've actually got some one on one time. I kind of want to delve deep into the start of the band. Um, was there an album that kind of captured your imagination, or as a young age that you bought or listened to that made you basically think, "I only want to be in a band for the rest of my life"? Is there something that changed your life musically?
1: To be honest, like I've been asked this question, and it does get you thinking, and it's really interesting seeing like some of the parallels between like myself and John. Uh, like our first album we ever bought when we were young lads was um, American Idiot by Green Day, and I think that. Uh, just changed a lot because it's it's obviously a punk album but it's got songs on it like Jesus of Suburbia which is like like an eight nine minute ballad isn't it and and that sort of just opens up I I don't know it, it just awakens something inside of you you're like wow music can be longer than three minutes on on the radio or do you know what I mean so it's just sort of like that that for me just changed a lot and the whole visuals at the time for Green Day I was like obsessed with and they were like I wanted to go and like learn all their songs on guitar so that that album for me just like was was definitely the turning point in my sort of introduction into like the alternative world and I could speak as well for John like being the other songwriter in the band that that for him was one of his first albums he ever bought as well and so for us to like have those similarities and then yeah just combine it like how many years later down the line is it's been really cool so it um, really
0: shows i'm an old man because one of my first albums i remember buying was green day but it was dookie when that came out and i'm like god you're <laughs> like when you're talking about when you were young and you had that album i'm like god i think i was probably about 20 yeah yeah,
1: right. <laughs> yeah dookie like before my time but like i did get to go and discover it after but um i know it's crazy isn't it when you say like oh that was in like two thousand and what three or something i'm like oh no I don't know amazing
0: but the thing is what i like about that is that even though they're two albums by the same band you said you know there's songs that are six seven minutes which is quite brave because green day were known at that point up until then with nimrod and dookie and um warning all their albums were really short sort of three minute punky songs so it's great to see that they evolved as songwriters
1: yeah absolutely and um it, it's funny because that <laughs> once you discover a band like that it's it's funny because you're like i need to find other stuff like this i need to go and do you know what i mean so um yeah like that that song like i think for me is as well as like songwriting is like one of the biggest things i i when i'm discovering something new or when i'm listening to something for the first time i'm always in my own head like studying the the songwriting aspect of it i don't like takes me a couple listens for me to just like have it on in the car or something like that and just like sing along to it or something but for the first few listens i'm always there like (laughs) nerding out about like the songwriting so i feel like they might have started that for me but um i i love that aspect of of music and that's like one of the most important things with our band as well so yeah
0: amazing and it all i say this on a lot of my interviews because i think it's so important but music changes for me when i was a kid because i was happy buying tapes of nirvana pearl jam green day jeff buckley all these bands that kind of made me want to fall in love with music but it wasn't until i went to a gig that i realized the power of music like oh my god like i could be dry drive- well i wasn't driving at that age i'd be going well, I'd get my parents to drop me off at an early green day gig and on the way i'd be listening to dookie but then to see the songs live To hear them being performed, to hear Billy Joe singing those lyrics and playing that guitar that makes your ribcage kind of shake and the drums stay with you and the hairs on your neck stick up. That's the moment I realized, like, I just want to pick up a guitar. I just don't want to do anything. I want to be like that guy on stage. And again, we might be showing our age, but what was those first early gigs that you remember that had that kind of power that kept you so absorbed and in the moment?
1: I think, like... I don't know i i didn't really start going to gigs until like quite later on in in my life like i was i was probably about 15 or 16 when i went to my first like gig i i didn't go to gigs when i was like like still a young lad i didn't i didn't go to gigs um but the i remember the first time i did it and it was seeing a band and it was just it was crazy it it blew my mind like i know what you mean about like when the guitar like hits you and it's funny as well because you, you sort of find yourself looking around the room and looking at the audience and then being like, yeah, these people, like, get it as well. Like, you don't just feel, like, so funny to go from listening to it on your own in your room or something like that and then to go to a gig and see all these other people who are, like, the same as you, like, dressed the same as you and do you know what I mean? And it's it's really special and I've definitely not taken it for granted when we, like play gigs as well that perhaps it might be some people's first ever experience of live music and it has been for us and i'm thinking god that's a bit it's a bit crazy having us as your first live experience but no it is yeah it's just something there's there's something about it especially in the rock the rock world you just everyone's part of this little group it seems like you know growing up when i was um like listening to the radio there was hardly any rock bands and there isn't really now but um when you discover these rockier bands and stuff like that and then you feel like part of this sort of secret thing and then when you go to this gig and then there's all these other people you're like oh my god this is amazing it's amazing and
0: i suppose with Superlove, starting out and kind of doing those early shows when you look back was it always a case of trying to get as many support slots as you could try and get on any bill you could and hope that people that might be there for a main band will hopefully you know capture you as they're walking in and as they leave they might be like oh do you know what i'm going to invest in their album when i get home or a t-shirt or hopefully you know stream one of their songs was it always a case of trying to win people over
1: i feel it's funny for us like we're when we're on stage like we're quite self-aware of what we are and what we're doing we're like we are the opening act people the majority of people are not here to see you so you've got to sort of like way you are like not be too i don't know not be too much for them so that they go they were maybe a bit too much they maybe thought they were like too cool so so myself and john like when we're on stage we just like have a little chat and we try and break it down and make ourselves like i don't know a bit bit more like relatable in that sense like we're and then we always like say oh like i know you're not here to see us and we're very self-deprecating in that way but i think that does work for us because when we're on stage and we're playing these songs, like we're always like, we're always smiling. We're always having a good time. And we're not like always deadly serious. And I feel like for people seeing a support band, it's sort of a relief for them. And like the pressure is almost off for them to like, feel like they're enjoying it. Cause like, even if they're not enjoying it, they can take it for what it is and be like, well, this isn't, (laughs) this music isn't for me, but I could see they're having a great time. And they're like, nice in between songs and they like a little chat and stuff and sort of make it light-hearted and then we're on our way so it's it's always funny playing those opening slots they're very like daunting but like we just try and make it i don't know we, we we're very aware of what the audience might be feeling because we've been there ourselves as well so we don't go on and give it all guns blazing and we're like yo everyone sort of thing so <laughs> so uh yeah i I love that about our band though and that's like that's natural for us that isn't a thing that we just do for the sake of it and like put it on that's like the most natural way to be for us and I think it I think it sometimes works you know like people do just go actually yeah I did enjoy that and they might go and check us out after but yeah
0: there's nothing worse than seeing a band that think they're the the Beatles are uh, a very <laughs> small support slot it's nice to be humble and stay grounded because people's don't realize, but the crowd, are, you know, as a band, you're quite transparent and the, the crowd can see right through it if you're trying to bullshit everybody with this 100%. arrogance. So stay grounded, stay as you are. It's working so far. It's, <laughs> uh, it, people warm to that. So it's good to see. But um, talking to live music, when you're in the studio, do you keep in mind the fact that when you go and then perform these songs live, you don't want too much of a change? Because some of my favorite bands in the world are, um, let's say, like Radiohead and Frice and bands like this, where... When you go and see them live, they're still the band that you've listened to in the studio. Uh, And the worst thing is, is when you hear a band that do 26 um, overtakes of guitar and it sounds so huge. And then when Mm. you go and see them live, it's really weak because there's no way in the world you can recreate that with one guitarist or two guitarists. Because of your dynamic as a band and there's so little of you, do you kind of consciously when recording, make sure that you're not kind of biting off more than you can chew that when you're then playing it live, it's unachievable?
1: yeah that's a really solid question because for us that that resonates a lot because there is just three of us and we do enjoy the production element of our band like we do like layers we do like harmonies we do like this and that so what it's very interesting because going into this album we were very aware of us having to play these songs live whether it's with when we wrote colors a lot of it was written during the pandemic and the end of it. So it was like, well, we want to experiment. And I feel like this is a great opportunity to do it. And then some songs live worked really well. And some songs live, we couldn't, like you said, it wasn't that they sounded awful, but it was like, it was hard to replicate them live. And we wanted to do it justice because we didn't want people to come to the show and be like, I love that song, but hearing it live, it just wasn't great. So we just, would sometimes put songs on a shelf and just not play them live because of that reason like we don't want people to turn up and be disappointed for whatever reason so yeah it's it's tricky because um we're, we're a band that has got all this modern technology when we play we don't just rock up with like guitar amps and, and and i wish that was the way sometimes like going i wish we could strip it all back but we're almost so deep in it now that you know like playing to playing to a click track and Having like elements in between songs to help make it more of like a a, sh- a entertainment thing, like a like a proper show. So it it was tricky, but going into this album, we were so aware of that, and I feel like we came out with songs that we know would work live. Like a song like "Go," we wrote that was the first song we wrote for this new album, and live there is like that is how it is. It's just guitar, bass, drums, vocals. Yeah. So that was easy, and same with like something good and easier and a couple other songs on the album so yeah we were so aware of that because we did, like you said we don't want people to turn up and be like oh not sure that that works live so um yeah
0: i've been listening to the track easier for the last couple of days and um it's it's earworm it gets right in there and i'm humming it again later on in the mm-hmm. day and genuinely it's it's a great great tune and um the thing that i struggle with in music lately is the lack of great music videos so because I grew up watching MTV I would always be obsessed with stuff like Smashing Pumpkins you know they're like it was like a theater production watching their music videos and I used to be absorbed and sit there and be blown away even bands like Bush and Foo Fighters so much work and thought went into these videos and I'm not saying that um, it's kind of died down but with music budgets and the music industry now not earning as much money because of streaming bands aren't able to invest silly amounts of money in these short films as a music video but the video for easier looks like one of the most fun crazy days you probably spent ever with your band (laughs) with some great ideas that just works and it was really refreshing to see a video where you're just having fun
1: oh mark that that means so much because like i wanted to almost reference that The, the main reference for me for that video was um blink 182 because they're one of my like all-time favorite bands they're up there and everything that they used to do back in the day like the early 2000s and like you said mtv and um all the small things that video i know that's like obviously their biggest hit and but but that music video how it was them almost in these (laughs) different music performance like scenarios and not taking the the mic but they they kind of were and I was like, oh, I want to reference that because there was a lyric in Easier where it says about being someone else. Um, so I was like, how can we have fun with that? Because we're, we're, we're a band, we don't have an aesthetic. And a lot of bands at the moment, it's like, it's based around like, obviously it's predominantly the, the great music, but like they always follow up with these great aesthetics. And And I can't do that because I just, I respect the people that could do that but I just find that so um, I find that so difficult and almost for me I find that like more restraining because when we do our videos we know we can do absolutely anything. So for easier like it was, you're right, it was the most fun day ever because we were just the constantly just laughing at how stupid we looked like looking at each other and just like crying with laughter but it that's one one thing for me, I want people to just see our band and and see that we're having fun and like we're we're all best mates like we live down the road from each other and we're all like always hanging out and stuff and i want that to resonate with our visuals and and our music videos and i think i think like it's lost a little bit at the moment in the current scene like that that sort of camaraderie of like bandmates and stuff like that so i just want to like portray that for us and easier was like the perfect song and video to do that with because it was great big fun song uh, bouncy song and and accompanying it with these visuals like made just perfect sense but i'm so happy you you pick up on that that's so cool it's well. very
0: cool and um with easier even though it's so fun and so crazy and the video is so exciting and just colorful and everything you wrote this a couple of years ago during a time of struggle um so as much as it's all fun and the video is great you obviously had some personal within moments that maybe you were trying to reflect or find um and if you're happy to discuss them um is it the fact you had your music that helped you then get out of that mind space and the way you were because i suffer from depression i'm not you know some superstar that can walk around with this face and mask every day pretending life's great and i think Mm. it's important and i've had bands like Berry tomorrow on recently who spent an hour talking about the fact that they don't want to get out of bed most days and they can't they think that they look like shit every day on every photo. And it's like, wow, like these Mm. bands you look at with the most amazing photographers with these incredible performances at these big festivals are still like me and still have days where they struggle. So was it you and your writing for this album that kind of kept you going?
1: I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. Like I was saying to somebody yesterday that it it really does. Like a lot of people say, it sounds like a cliche almost how many people say my music helps me channel these things but that it really does and i i was aware of it a bit but when you are faced with writing an album you could sort of put all your thoughts of that sort of year and you can channel it into songs and you do feel lighter because of it and a song like easier i've i wrote that probably about three or four years ago and you're right it was it was a time like where I was not too sure where like life was going and stuff like that, but I felt like I I just wrote that song and I could almost like shelf that thought in in that song. And so sitting on the song was very difficult because I was like I really want to put it out, but it doesn't feel like it's right to put out yet. And I, I think it needed a bit of tweaking as well. It wasn't how it sounded now, but um, the moment it was revisited and we we spruced it all up i was so happy like that's one of my favorite songs like lyrically like we have ever written and it it, it helps music they, you know i listen to bands and they talk about similar themes and that helps me and um, i'm sure it helped them way more to put it into a song so for me to to do that was um yeah really really cool and i feel like a lot of people are picking up on these sort of themes now within our band and i'm so happy about that because i don't ever want it to be like oh guys by the way like we write songs about this sort of thing i want people to sort of discover it and we're always like we're just chipping away over here in super love and i feel like people are just sort of gradually getting on board and and realizing these things as well which makes me even more happier and with the album not quite out
0: as we're speaking here right now, Follow Noise, um, how does it feel? Has it been an album that you've sat on for a while? Has it been sort of recording done in the last sort of year? Um, how's it been? Because you just said you've written that song three years ago and I'm like, wow, you know, like that's a long time to have a song ready to, the, to be to the point where we're now sitting and talking about it. So at what stage was it that the album was all wrapped and ready to go?
1: Honestly, it was very, very last minute. Like we, we only went away and recorded the album in January uh, this year. So we, we wrote "Go" and and something good, uh, last summer, and then from there on, then it became very obvious that what we were writing and what we were building towards was an album. I don't think that was always the plan to do one a year after Colors had come out, but I felt it was right because we had. Tom stepped into the band on drums as an official member and I wanted like to sort of reinvent ourselves and this almost feels like our debut album as Colours was written all that all those years ago just myself and John and it felt like more of we were a production songwriting duo so as soon as Tom stepped into the band and these songs like go something good easier started coming out and we were like well this is an album and this has to has to be an album so it was on the back end of last year and then we went away to record in january with hardly anything done for the album we thought because colors it was all done so with colors we we went to record and we knew exactly what we were doing because every single melody every lyric every like every part of the songs was was written so it was a it was a case of retracking a lot of stuff which was it's good fun, but there was something more fun about going into recording, not knowing what we were gonna come out with within like three weeks. So, yeah, a lot of it was written at the start of January this year. We we had the singles and a couple of a loose ends, but no, we we decided, let's just go in three weeks and and see what happens. And I love that about it because it was I don't know it it was almost like oh god it could go terribly wrong or it could go really well. So I'm hoping it goes well and people like like these songs because I think they're our best songs for sure. But because of the fact that we didn't sit on them for that long, it's almost like can get excited about it closer to the time.
0: And you mentioned then obviously Tom becoming an official third member, not just like a session musician that when you go and gig or you do stuff, you have an extra musician. Now that changes the dynamic massively because you've relied on being a two I'm sure your ideas bounce off each other your best friends like you said you only live down the road from each other adding that third wheel um could go two ways couldn't it it could be disastrous at times because it might be amazing musically but they could be a bit of a dickhead and wind you up and you could just be like oh christ like why have mm-hmm. we done this but it all yeah. seems so positive and just talking to you today again and seeing you kind of you're so like lit up talking about it and it's so positive i think it's a great thing and it must be amazing now going through the old era of songs with a new perspective and a new mind and a new performance, because it probably made those songs that might've slightly got stale because you've played them for a while now seem fresh again.
1: hundred percent. You're spot on again. Cause to, one thing that Tom brought with him to the band, like he has this, he had this access to this private rehearsal room in, uh, in Bristol and as soon as he joined the band we were, we were like we hopped on board and now it's a super love sort of headquarters that's where we like film a lot of content and we we practice all the time so he brought that to the band and that was something that we really needed i think to meet up and play live because we didn't do that so much when it was just a, myself and john so he brought that and he, you know he was someone he wasn't just some stranger as well it was quite nice because he was friends of a friend and um we our old bands have played some shows together so we like were quite matey with him anyway so for him to just jump into the band it was so seamless and like he's got the same sense of humor as us which is like one of the biggest things with our band is like it's fun so we wanted you know for him to be on the same wavelength is is just insane really and he brings such a cool element to the band because he's got such a broad knowledge of music production and recording so he he's not i don't see him as the drummer i see him as just like but almost uh as cheesy as it sounds that missing link of for me and john he sort of like ties it all together really well so yeah we we as soon as we like started working with him and he he covered for a few shows and um, and we were, <laughs> i had little chats with john saying we need to ask him we need to ask him to join now and john was like no no play it cool play it cool so um but yeah i'm so happy with how it all it all worked out with tom can't believe it
0: it seems a really good time i've just recently come back from slam dunk and there's a real good vibe about great bands and the music scene and because we went through that horrible time of the pandemic which seems quite a long time ago now there's this new appreciation of just live music um i think people at one point i remember me in my inbox getting just complete notification hell of just this gig's being canceled and your tickets for alice in chains have been canceled and incubus is now canceled i did have that one moment when i was thinking to myself am i actually ever going to go to a gig or a festival again um i think bands suffered the most and people don't understand that if you work from home you could have your laptop if you worked in an office or you know most jobs you could carry on but for you guys it was kind of a pause for two years and you must now be looking forward to playing in the next few days more than ever because you must have had that kind of prism put around you where it's like you can't do what you're loving you can't do what you're best at and now finally someone's hit that play button again
1: yeah it was it for us it was yeah i mean it was it was awful for everyone wasn't it and involved especially in in the music industry but we we were just starting out like we we just like announced we were being abandoned 2019 and for 2019 we were like we were flying like we were so happy like with how it was going we were so lucky we like got picked up by our manager chris and we got Got a booking agent like almost straight away. And we were doing all these fest- um festivals and and tours and stuff. And for us, that was so new. And then we were on tour with a band called Rome in January 2020. And then um that's when we started hearing about everything and we finished the tour. And and then obviously lockdown. So we were, yeah, we we it was weird timing for us because I felt like, oh, this is going like weird. You know this is going at such a good rate and i'm so excited and then and then nothing and um we did have releases scheduled for 2020 and then we obviously we we signed for rude in summer of 2020 I, I think it was and so we had releases scheduled and planned and then it all just came crashing down and then we we spontaneously released like a second EP just out of nowhere we just thought well we'll just put some music out that we've recorded from home and stuff and that worked really well for us because we just discovered all these different areas we could tap into of our music but yeah it was crazy um and i feel like since then we haven't really been able to recover properly as a band we unfortunately we were let go by our first booking agent and we couldn't get gigs for a while so we were we were gutted like we were honestly gutted. and then but then it all started looking up you know, middle of last year when the album came out and then we went and did a few festivals and shows and got to play these songs off the album. And we're like, that was when we were like, oh, we know exactly what we want to do. At, in the summer of last year, after playing those shows and festivals, we we're like, we know what Super Love has to be now. And then that helped us then go into write the rest of the album. But I, I honestly can't wait to go away now. I, I just hope I recover in time, like my voice but we'll see i've only got one day now but we'll, we'll see you got but one I, I, day and i'm sitting yeah. here
0: making you talk for half an hour
1: oh it's all good the
0: fans will be listening now be like you asshole like he yeah, had yeah. one day to recover and you're asking <laughs> him all these questions just ask him when the album's out and do the interview and...
1: yeah
0: yeah oh yeah you'll be all good dude uh, yeah, the adrenaline the adrenaline will overpower everything and uh True. on the same note of you know how great music is in the live scene also, British bands right now. To see Enter Shikari only a couple of weeks ago getting the number one, I was talking to Rao at the weekend, and there's a real buzz. Even bands like Sleep Token, who you just wouldn't expect to be doing so well. But they deserve it all. They're unbelievable. But it's so great. I'm seeing so many bands in the top 20 in the UK charts. I'm seeing these shows selling out. I'm seeing anniversary tours. It feels like the best. I sound like a granddad, but I don't remember mm-hmm. a time that feels this exciting in the music scene for British music.
1: I'm so glad that, like, yeah, Shikari, they're, like, one of our favourite bands, like, myself and John, they they inspired our band, like, how we started, like, going to their show, inspired the creation of Superlove. So now that they're getting number one albums and I saw them on Sunday brunch randomly and I was just like, oh, my God, what is going on? This is insane. But it's cool, isn't it? And, And for us, we're, like, we're obsessed with, like, British... Bands like, and the Britishness of bands like LTA were like one of our other biggest inspirations, and I feel like they just nailed like British rock and and bands like Boston Manor as well, and just everything about the the visuals and the attitude and and the songs like is like yeah it's proudly like British like I quite I quite like that like I don't know what it is I feel like we've got something really cool over here it's like always really like raw and um but it is it's insane isn't it i feel like every band i'm seeing doing these big tours is some british band and i just can't believe it so cool. you, you
0: don't realize as well because i was interviewing under oath at the weekend. And it was only them because they're American and they, you know, they've come to this festival in the UK and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what their mindset is like. And they are obsessed with British music and they're like, just to be here in Leeds and London and know that we're close to the home of Oasis. And, yeah, you know, and they were literally spent probably 25 minutes of a 30 minute interview talking about how great radiohead and oasis and mm. blur and it was just amazing that these american guys were so obsessed with the fact that they're in the place of the best music around
1: i love that like i feel i feel like we do bands really well here yeah like, that's it's the one thing we, we get do. right yeah yeah a lot absolutely. of things we fuck
0: up on but <laughs> yeah bands, we're good And my final question for you today, dude, is what I do on this podcast is ask the band to choose the final song that's played. So to try and keep the podcast original, I'm nearly at 280 episodes as we're speaking today. Every band, every artist, every actor, every director that's been on this podcast, it doesn't matter if it's been Anthony Hopkins or whoever's been on, um, they get the same question. Now, is there a song that means a lot to you that you adore? Don't pick your own because that's arrogant and that's not cool. One band did, did that. That? One band did that. Um, oh, no but I was wondering, is there a song that means a lot to you or a piece of music that as this interview is all wrapped up, ready for the world to listen to, you would love to be played out after today's interview?
1: Oh, I love that. This, this stuff's always really cool. Um, a lot of pressure. But I thought I like there's a band uh, called Decade. They're, they're not a thing anymore. I think they're on like a very much extended hiatus. Um, and they're from this sort of area as well. And um they're one of my favourite bands. Like they're quite not a lot of people have heard of them. They were quite a big thing when like UK pop punk was a big thing, but they were signed to Rude as well. Um but but yeah, decade. Um there's a song called Sunbeam by them, and it was on their second album. And funny enough, it was released via Rude Records as well. That's not how I found out about them, but when I found out we were gonna sign with rude i i couldn't wait because one of my favorite bands ever was on the roster at the time but um yeah decade sunbeam i'd say that song is means a means a lot to me i love that song
0: what what's awesome about this is i asked this question some people pick the rolling stones and some people pick nirvana or you know tom petty which is incredible but when i hear a band's name that i don't know I'll now go and edit this into the episode and I'll sit there and be like decade and I'll go on to Spotify and I'll be like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll listen to their top five tracks and then I'll listen to the album. And then for the next two weeks, I'll find a new band. Oh, I love that. I, that's I hope so. Thing, you know,
1: I hope I hope they do it for you because, yeah, they've they've been like one of my favorite bands since 2012 or 2013. So I'm I just, yeah, love them so much
0: amazing i'm gonna let you now have a breather um go and get some strepsils. go and get mm-hmm. some honey and lemon and yeah. i do not want to be the reason that your fans get pissed off you're really croaky in the next mm-hmm. few days but um thank you so much for coming back on it's been a pleasure to have you on i can't wait for people to hear the album and uh good luck with both of them because i can't believe it's been a year since we last spoke but i'm sure this time hopefully in a year's time we'll talk again and talk about even more exciting stuff
1: yeah, let's let's make it a yearly thing, Mark. Yeah, Super Love Annual Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, but thank you so much for having us, and um, yeah, really appreciate the support as well.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and Jacob. What a lovely guy. Welcomed him back on Mark and Me with open arms and as I said at the start of today's interview, I urge you all now to go and check this band out. Their brand new album Follow Noise is out now and I love it. I think you'll absolutely be blown away and if you're really, really impressed with them, please let me know. Jump on markandme.com and let me know on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram because that's the best compliment Mark and Me can get. Also, if you've enjoyed today's episode... In return for listening to these free episodes, all I ask is you to share them. It costs you guys absolutely nothing to do and I say it each and every time, Mark and me is a one-man team. People don't always believe that. There's no editor behind the scenes or a marketing manager or a social media team. It's just me. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please retweet it or share it on Facebook or put it as your Instagram story. Or if you don't want to share it, just hit the like button so it helps that algorithm that no one can work out but might get seen by a few more people also i have a patreon account this means the world to me if you can sign up on there and support mark and me it means i can go out there basically and do more episodes for you guys at home i don't make a living off this podcast it's a hobby that i really love i give everything to it but that little bit that you give back goes right back in and continues to allow me to basically record more episodes for you guys at home and that's the dream for me I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode 298 my god 300 is so close and I can't wait but before we get there we've got two cracking episodes coming up in literally the next week so it's gonna be a busy time so until then take care of yourselves look after each other listen to super love and I'll speak to you all very soon